the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. <laughs> okay, we're back. The time is 6.04. All the lines are open. Love to hear from you. Um, I, I definitely would like to keep, keep trending on this topic, <clears throat> but definitely I'll take your phone calls on uh, on anything you think is appropriate to talk about. I appreciate Josh's, Josh's uh, contribution to uh, the whole subject of the border. And Ron, with regards to how he has been uh, dealing with his sons, I'd love to hear from you sisters out there, too, as to how you're dealing with your children around helping them comprehend their centerhood at a very young age and, and how effective it may be in, in, in showing them that, um, that they need to know the Lord Jesus and the pardon of their sins and him as Lord to help them even in their little bitty um, people life. Their little bitty people <clears throat> that um, need a savior as well, and uh, love to hear how you would do it. I'm going to share with you a couple of um, alternatives to or uh, routes to go if you're really trying to figure out how to talk to the kids um, about sin and about judgment and even about hell. Again, a lot of the secular world would get mad at you and I and us uh, about teaching our kids about sin and hell. <clears throat> you do know that there's a whole lot of the folks out there in every field of life, particularly entertainment, who have grown up uh, under the hearing of the word and having been told about God and the Bible and whether Judaism or Christianity or some other form of, uh, uh, you know, religion that deals with eternity and deals with a deity and deals with judgment and accountability. Uh, you know, those people are very upset. Would you not agree? They're very upset with um, the Christian worldview that seems to have had made its way into, you know, the most critical sectors of life and particularly the home. And this is why we do know we definitely do know that the systems of this world are designed to break up the family, to break up husbands and wives and to break up children and to to divide the home and to devastate the home so as to discredit Christianity. I got that. I see that everywhere. Um, the warfare is fierce for all of us along those lines. And the enemy definitely wants to discredit um, Christianity because one of the biggest testimonies of the um the veracity of biblical truth is actually a real Christian family. I mean, real believers who are uh, redeemed sinners who know the grace of God and are living it out in uh, truth <clears throat> authentically uh, in the midst of a world that actually needs the salt and light of the gospel. Um, that speaks like nothing else to bring men and women who are in the midst of a jacked up world into the kingdom of God. Uh, to know God and, and, and church is supposed to be a, a place where multiple individuals and families are gathered together in the healing process of forgiveness, because that's what forgiveness does. It heals um, <clears throat> in the area of relationships with God and one another. And so, yeah, here's one. Here's one. If you're going to talk to your kids about God, and particularly when you get to those areas where you got to talk about sin and you're going to do that early on in your Bible, 
infrequently, by the way. That's why people don't like to hear the word of God, because it really does deal with sin a lot. But whenever you are talking to the children about sin, here's one tactic you can use. You can use the tactic of the we factor whenever you talk about it. Early on, use the word we. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own ways. That's what we want to be able to do. So when you talk to the children about Cain and Abel and how Abel was killed by his brother Cain, and we have to talk about sin being in the heart of, of Cain and how envy and jealousy and rage led to him wanting to kill his brother, what you say to the children is, well, son and daughter, we are just like Cain. We have that kind of jealousy and envy in our heart, and we want to be like God, and we want to execute judgment on people that don't agree with us or don't don't think like us or don't act like us. Even if it's our family members, we'll do the same thing. It's really true. This is why I love the Bible, as Josh was saying. The Bible will let you know uh, in no uncertain terms that sin is an equal opportunity um, uh, a purveyor and pursuer because he doesn't care whether it's a, a child against his sibling brother, a husband against his wife, or a wife against her husband, or parents against children and children against parents. He doesn't. And uh, his goal is to divide. That's why he sought to divide Adam and Eve. But he had another thing coming there. And yet that, that battle wages fiercely. If you're going to be a Christian couple that are going to have kids in this world, you're going to have to make up your mind whether or not you actually believe the Bible. I can tell you that now. And whether or not you're going to teach the Bible faithfully, because a lot of people pick and choose. I call it playing hopscotch with the Bible. They jump here and jump there and then spread their legs here. And then they jump here and spread their legs here and then jump over Bible verses hither and yon. Uh, in order to not address the difficult passages. But God wants you to address them because he's your God and the God of your children and your children's children if you would believe God for their salvation by actually telling the kids the truth and uh, trusting God to use that truth to bring them to an awareness of their sin and a need of the Savior. So one of the tactics is, son, we. Uh, daughter, uh, we, we, uh, it's us that have this malady of evil in our heart that has a tendency that to want to reject authority and oppose God and anyone wanting to tell us what to do. And what the kids know when you use the we factor is that you are included in that, that you are not any different from them because you may know God a little bit better. In fact, Truth be told, you're worse than them because you know about God better. You know that holiness shows us more of our sin when we come to draw near the light of his glory and grace. And so when you're dealing with your kids, use the we factor. That's one way to do it. Say we need a savior. We are sinners. We mess up. We think wrong. We have evil hearts. We need grace to do what's right. That will help you. Um, another another tactic is also when you're dealing with your kids around sin issues, make sure you show them the objective truth of God's word. Uh, help them to highly esteem the Bible. A lot of times we'll talk in the first person or in the second person as if we are the ones making up the rules and the laws. But if you say son, daughter, well, you know, the Bible says this is what Peter said in 1 Peter 4.11, if any man speak, let him speak as of the oracles of God. 
If we're going to speak, say, yeah, you remember what your Bible said in Romans 3, 9, 10, and 11. It says that none righteous, no, not one. There's none that doeth good. There's none that seeketh after God. There's none that understands. And so we all are fallen and forsaken and until God by his grace. And that's what the Bible says. It's God that seeks us. We don't seek God as God sought Adam and Eve when they were running and hiding. God has to seek us too. He has to, by his grace, hunt us down. And uh, and show us his mercy, and you begin to teach them that salvation is by grace, according to Ephesians two, eight and nine, and that through faith and that not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Tell them what the Bible says that there's no other name under heaven given among men, uh, Acts chapter four, by which we must be saved, verse twelve, and then let them know again, John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth. Uh, and the life. And no one comes unto the Father but by me. And show them that the Bible is really the counsel for why we think what we think and do what we do. If you don't help your kids have a high view of the Bible, they're going to make up their own view of Jesus. And their own view of Jesus is going to really be a bad deal. Uh, Really, a lot of Christians do that. Well, my view of God and my view of Jesus and my view of grace and my view of whatever, you know, it really doesn't matter what our views are. What matters is what the Bible says. And it's really important for us to be able to give our kids a sense that the Bible is right. And not only is it right, but it's clear. Again, we can escape um, the personal relationship that is needed with God on a level of clarity and coherence by not being committed to a high view of the Bible. But when you have a high view of Scripture, um, you can settle all matters by the Bible if you carefully read it to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it's because there's no light in them. That's Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20. Um, When you see Christians who are productive in their walk, uh, in their um, life, when God is using them, and I mean really using them, Um, what you find is a Christian who has taken the Bible seriously and it has impacted their life. And they have said deep down in their soul, you know, God, your way, not my way, not what I want to do, not my will, your will. And the next thing you know, God is, is, is a rewarder of those who seek him that way. Another Bible verse, Hebrews 11, six, definitely you want to teach your kids that God rewards obedience. He rewards obedience people who pursue him, love him, and seek him. And he really, he really does. I'm a testament to that. Uh, And many of you are as well, that coming to know God by his grace and pursuing him by his, uh, by his spirit um, in faith rewards us so, um, so satisfyingly in this life. And then the life to come that um, it is so right, isn't it? He that cometh to God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God so blesses the man or the woman that pursues God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. He is a definite rewarder both now and for eternity. All right, I'm going to take another break. All my lines are open. I've got 45 minutes. 45 minutes. Let's talk about it. one 367 5329 367-5329. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. 
All right, we're back to the time, 619. Three lines open if you want to call one 367 If you've been stimulated by our conversation, the topics we brought to the table today, you are welcome to uh, chime in. one 367 Or you may have another issue you want to bring. We are going to be with you for the next 40 minutes, so you can do that if you want to call. Let me go to line one and talk with Dan in Sonoma. Dan, how are you doing, man? Haven't heard from you in a while. Uh, Dan on line one. Is Dan there? What's been going on? Hello there. There's a lot been going on, but uh, what I wanted to comment on has to do with making sure that our behavior does accord with what we say that we believe. Okay. And uh, it, I am under the impression that the dialectic is ramping up into different areas of public life. Because yep. um, I heard somebody commenting the other day about immigrants in the Bible and hospitality, but they talk as if the immigrant immigration policy in the Bible and the uh, the uh, hospitality is public policy rather than individual conduct in the church. And uh, I I want to hope that individual contact conduct in the church is going to get stronger and and collective corporate, but. I don't know. It seems to me that there's not only disregard of immigration law, which I've been in favor of that being reformed for a long time, but traffic law. You know, as a blind person, I have to deal with traffic law. Agreed. And then there's domestic law, you know, affecting families. There's there's like a flagrant disregard for all kinds of law in the United States. And so how do we expect to uh, correct things by changing laws? You know, and hope that people are going to abide by the law, but I think it's a rather feeble hope. I wish it. What are we going to do about this? Right. So let's let's have a conversation a little bit about this, and I'd be glad to hear other uh, believers if they are sensitive to. And the term would be uh, politically um, charged by the word woke. Um, they're supposed to be a woke church around social justice issues and a non-woke church. I guess that's what they want to call it. Um, but uh, what you're talking about, Dan, really is um, uh, it's a significant point. So let's let's get back to the dialectic, which is a term a lot of people don't understand. And it, it is a is a Hegelian phenomenal uh, phenomenology uh, perspective on how the world progresses uh, to its ultimate di- demise or uh, depending on you have whether you have an optimistic view or what is called a pessimistic view. Um, ultimately, you have a thesis antithesis that leads to a consensus and therefore a change in and that cycle continues to repeat itself, whether in politics or in religion or in the social context or almost everywhere. That dialectic is intentional. It's um, it's uh, pervasive. It's global. And we know it. It's designed to bring about uh, ecumenical sort of um, compromise in the church. It's designed to to um, get rid of absolute truth. It's designed to uh, water down morals and ethics. It's really designed for us to become man, to become God and for God to become nothing. It really is a form of humanism that is ultimately trying to deify itself. What you have just called attention to is absolutely phenomenal because what you're saying, Dan, is 
within the realm of the media that really does call attention to what we recognize and some of our hearts appeal to the atrocities going on at the border and uh, in other parts of the world, uh, that what they would begin to assert is to uh, utilize biblical uh, texts of Scripture as a model and framework for how we, we should deal with political situations. And I thought that that was very insightful of you to say, hey, let's actually contextualize those passages such as in the book of Leviticus and in Deuteronomy, some in Exodus as well, where God was speaking to the uh, children of Israel that when they come into the promised land that they are to treat the stranger who would come in among them with an ethic that reflects their walk with God. And what you are saying is the human race doesn't get to take God's Bible, chop it up into pieces, use a verse here and a verse there, and throw the rest of the Bible out and then begin to talk about how this is a good law here, but completely disregard all of God's other laws in other areas. This makes us a hypocrite that's not actually qualified to represent God in a particular area that might uh, area that might interest us. And I agree with you wholeheartedly that what God would have us to do with his word is first clean up our own house, make sure that we are walking in righteousness and taking care of those things that are around us immediately, all of the areas of law, all of the areas of protocol, all of the areas of adjudicate, all of the areas of of societal responsibility and accountability, as you have uh, plainly let us know that um, uh, you being uh, blind, um, you you want people to respect the fact that when you leave the house, they should uh, regard traffic signs and speed signs and all of that because that can create a major problem for those of you who um, would be um, uh, challenged with those type of uh, with those type of issues. And I agree with you fully, uh, Dan. I think that we have to back up and make sure that we don't go, yeah, 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 let's exercise this biblical principle, when in fact we're not dealing with the first principles of making sure that we all agree that the Bible is about Christ and that we're all sinners and that we need him and that his righteousness is affirmed in our life by us doing good works that start at home and then, you know, carry out and transcend to our neighbors. Um, I agree with you fully on that. Did you want to have something else to say about that? I would add this little tidbit because, yes, I do need a Savior, and I, I got one. Yep. Um, uh, it, the tidbit is I was astounded to find this Vanguard thing. It looked like propaganda to me. Uh-huh. It, it was interesting. I was browsing around to find something for a friend, and I run into attacks on Jack Webb, who I had heard had been an altar boy, framing it in the context that he was an anti-white Jew and right. he, spreading anti-white propaganda. I said, what kind of... You're talking about one in seven and Dragnet are anti-white propaganda? Right. Where are these people... Where are their heads at? Please explain this to me. Well, again, you, you actually framed it with the word dialectic. You got to remember, I was talking with my two boys, two young men, um, uh, David and Nate, uh, yesterday about Facebook and the internet and a lot of the um, 
a lot of the games that go on on Facebook, Dan, where people will pretend to be something that they're not in order to get into relationships with people and take advantage of them, whether economically or relationally, i.e. Um, um, getting into relationships with boys or girls by putting up pictures of somebody else and pretending to be them and creating a whole world of inner dialogue among each other until one person actually believes the lie. They actually believe that the person that they're looking at on the picture is the actual person behind that picture. I use that as an example because the surreal world of social media um, opens the door to demonstrate how gullible and susceptible we are as a society and undiscerning. So when you talk about propaganda, well, the people who are espousing this propaganda know full well, they know full well that there are all kinds of people out there that are bent and slated in that direction, whether or not the information or data is valid or true at all. And all this does is perpetuate the, what I would call the irrational reactionary person who simply wants to be in the fray of what they think is important to talk about or identify with. Something that the believer should never, ever be trapped by. Believers should never find themselves living in the space of media, caught up in media, identified with media, and finding their value in media like that. They should never, ever um, lose that sense of objectivity by which um, they could legitimately be beneficially uh, missional. Um, But for my money, Dan, I I stay away from all of that stuff because it requires too many filters to make sure you get at the reality of what's going on. So it sounds to me when you're talking about uh, Mr. Webb and the propaganda coming out uh, about him that it it probably is fake news. I don't know. I don't have any skin in the game, uh, no dog in the fight. But a lot of times I can pick up on it early on and I go, uh, it just sounds way too extreme for this to happen any merit in it whatsoever. So, you know, that's what I would have to say about it. <laughs> and it had references to Mr. Bilbo, but we can leave that aside. See, but I hope see, you have a good evening. You too, man. Thanks for the call. Uh, let me see here. Uh, let me go to line number two and talk with Yvette in Hayward. Yvette, are you there? I am here. How are um, you? Thank you. Um, I You were talking to a guy earlier, and I think I kind of came in on half of the conversation. Uh-huh. And I just wanted to see what you guys thought about, because um, I agree with a lot of that you say, but the part as far as people, um, immigrants and having to go back and stuff, they were, to me, they were fine with the immigrants as long as they were using them for cheap labor. And now that it seemed to be overwhelming, they want to um, send them back. So where's the sin on both sides? Right. We could talk about that and, and, and the way that I would actually frame your 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 question or query, uh, Yvette, is that um, the one sin doesn't cancel out the other sin. In other words, two wrongs never make a right. And I'm sure you agree with that. Um, I do. Right. But how do we um, equitably acknowledge uh, the need to deal with an urgent matter right now? Uh, relative to people wanting to come into America who uh, are coming from a very desperate situation for which we want to be sympathetic. And at the same time, recognize how hypocritical our government has been since the inception of this country, by the way, not only um, 
uh, procuring immigrants from all over the world, i.e. the Statue of Liberty, uh, you know, and the multiple ethnic groups that basically make up the conglomerate of our country. If we know anything about our history, um, we are we are a nation of immigrants and in capitalism without a big G in front of it. That is God has taken advantage of people, making them chattel, uh, i.e. slavery, and then making the others such subordinate uh, citizens that they were fundamentally slaves to the overall uh, capitalist agenda of our country. This is a sin that we are not ready to talk about, and we quickly cover it over because it's uncomfortable, it's inconvenient. Uh, and, and, and and quite frankly, Yvette, it hurts. And so what we do as um, Americans is we say, let's forget the past and let's simply deal with the present. Well, a lot of times you cannot deal with the present effectually without also mm-hmm. dealing with the past. Absolutely. And, and that's why we have uh, this particular narrative that you're bringing to the table uh, talked about in all of the outlets that want to really get up under the present uh, dilemma uh, on the border and elsewhere and actually deal with the historic, sustained, systemic um, hypocrisy that 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 basically is the stench of uh, what we are we are um, sensing when it comes to the way we are treating immigrants now. Whoa! Why are we treating them this way now? When for hundreds of years it's actually been the other way. And so you know, I agree with you. Both conversations need to be had. Um, okay. Both both uh, issues need to be dealt with. Um, uh, critically, objectively, historically, ethically, and for us who are Christians, biblically. But I tell you what, yeah. my sister, that that's a hard conversation. We had a uh, we had a a conference about three months ago on KFAX around race relations. I don't know if you know, I happen to have been on that panel. They're getting ready to have another one uh, at um, Abundant Abundant uh, Life Christian Fellowship in uh, in San Mateo. Um, with, uh, with with Pastor Lorette and a couple, three or four other pastors tomorrow on a biblical worldview. And, and even talking about a biblical worldview would require us to look at history and see the atrocities committed by Christians in this nation going all the way back if we actually want to have a correct biblical worldview particularly when you talk about slavery or the misabuse of our Native American brothers and everything that went along with it, uh, including in, including uh, calling different ethnic groups from around the world for the last four or 500 years uh, in a way that disadvantaged them and advantaged others. That conversation has to be had if we're going to have healing, if we're going to have unity, if we're going to be of the same mind when it comes to policies that are going to uh, make our country truly great versus the great that is often being espoused by those who have another agenda. Yeah, that's exactly, uh, thank you. You said it, I I feel so much better because that part was really upsetting me about everybody not seeing the picture. Right, right. If we're going to have a a healthy conversation about um, a a pie, we can't just be dealing with a piece of the pie. We got to deal with the whole pie. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Very thank, much. Thank you, for, thank you for challenging us on that, okay? Have a great day. I'm going to take a break. All four lines are open, one 367 one I'll be honest with you. Uh, my experience as a human being has been thus. 
we are really not comfortable nor prepared to deal with a lot of the facts of our history when it comes to um, a very, very um, troubled Christian nation called America and what it's done in order to make itself great. We're really not prepared for that conversation. Um, I've seen it. It's much easier to just kind of bury it and keep moving. Anyhow, three lines open, one 888 I'll be right back. And now, back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we're back. Time, 638. Two lines open, one 888 one Let's go to line number one and talk with Sheree and Vallejo. Hi, Sheree. Hi, hi, Pastor. How are you? Um, you know, I was just thinking, you know, with the immigration situation, mm-hmm. um, a, a lot of things that um, happen in the world mm-hmm. and also in the Bible, mm-hmm. um, the Holy Spirit teaches me um, and um, to look at it also with the physical eye, but also with, with the spiritual eyes. Mm-hmm. And, and so the spiritual eyes is like if a person is demanding to be a citizen in heaven, but they're not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Right. And, and they said, I demand this. Right. I demand this. And they said, well, no, no, it don't work like that. You um, you have to um, have Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Right. And have your sins covered by his blood. Right. And they said, well, but I, I don't want to do that. I demand citizenship in heaven. I demand, you know, it, you know, so... Is God being mean because he said, no, you have to go through my son. All right. So let's talk about that because that is ingenious. It's ingenious. Think now this is, this is really, you know, walking with bifocals on bifocals, meaning two focals, an earthly focal point and a heavenly focal point. And Sheree, I couldn't Mm -hmm. agree with you more on the arrogance of human beings telling God how they are going to come to heaven. I couldn't agree with you more uh, with the arrogance of human beings saying there has to be more ways into heaven than this one narrow way called Jesus Christ and him crucified. I couldn't agree with you more uh, when we look at the arrogance of human beings who have been told all their life in many cases that God sent his only begotten son into the world that whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God is a God of exclusivity with one door, one gate, one way in. And he is merciful to let us know where the door is because we would have never found the door on our own. And then to, and then to arrogantly assume that we can climb up another way. Christ said that makes you a thief and a robber. Isn't that what he said? Amen. And yes, so to make the application, um, yes, a government is completely irresponsible to just let folks come in any old kind of way when there is clearly a front door. Right, right. And then this, um, you know, and then on the, the physical part, you know, the situation where it says, well, you're breaking up families. Right. You're breaking up families. And I feel for that. But that's always been the situation when you commit a crime in America, you're going to be separated from your kids. Right. Because, you know, you can't, they can't go to jail. That's, that's what, that's not just with that situation. And I think what, what um, Trump is doing um, is where, where it's getting more notice is that 
before they had the um, they probably well they had the catch and and release. Sure. And so so they said, okay, you come over here with with your kids. Okay, um, we're going to give you a court date to appear so we can sort this out. And then they're saying a lot of them are not coming back. Most of them are not. I wouldn't. <laughs> Listen, I wouldn't if I'm if I'm trying to get in and I'm not coming through the front door anyway. And you catch me before I get through the side door, and you give me a, a pink slip and say, "Well, you know, you got a court date. You you need to show up. Sure, I'll show up." And then off the road I go, which is the the story, as you know, Cherie, for many many. Um, undocumented and illegal aliens for decades. They get here and they're able to stay here, work, have kids, raise families. Many of our listeners would affirm this right now. Their parents were not legal when they got here. And and what that really and what that really means is is that we have we have to continue working at the implementation of laws in a way that are both uh, effective righteously and effective sympathetically. We, we definitely do not want to be non-sympathetic. You and I as Christians cannot, meaning right. we never want to be non-merciful because to the merciful, God will show himself merciful. And if we exercise yeah. justice without, if we exercise justice without mercy, we're going to find ourselves suffering as well. We don't want that. So I agree with you fully. We cannot advocate coming in through the back door. We cannot advocate climbing over the wall. We cannot advocate violating the law. That would be unchristian and unbiblical. But we certainly want to make sure that we can do every can, everything we can in the process of turning them back to make sure that we are not being criminal and beastly when it comes to the children. Because to be honest with you, the children didn't ask for it. They're just tagging along with mom and dad. We These kids didn't ask for us to bring them into the world. You know that. Right, right, right. And then on a spiritual note, you know, you have covered the the grace issue, which was brilliant. That you said that we wouldn't be we wouldn't even be able to find the door. Absolutely, if it wasn't for 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 God's grace. That's right. But at the same time, these children they're 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 in this predicament. They didn't actually be born in this situation. The same thing with us through Adam. Right. We did not eat the fruit off of the tree. Right. But we are affected. However, so we want to be careful about carrying that analogy out. And I love to, yeah, you know, I love the way you're thinking. Please understand that Adam is a unique human being, different than all other human beings, in the same way that Jesus is a unique human being, different than all other human beings, in that Adam and Jesus are representatives of whole human race species. So that mm-hmm. what what happened to us is that Adam's sin nature is given to us. But God never charges you and me with Adam's actual sin. He only charges us with our own actual sin. Okay, so you mean the age of accountability? It, there, there will have to always be that when you stand before God, you are both mm-hmm. rational and cognizant of your disobedience because it's going to always be based on law and works. So God's not okay. sending babies to hell. Right. He's sending people with whom he can adjudicate their crimes and disobediences through his law. That's Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. And the books were open and the dead were judged out of those books according to their works. Meaning when God judges on the last day, he's not an arbitrary uh, fiat judge where he throws people in the hell. He's going to take conscious souls that are aware of their disobedience 
and, and mm-hmm. show them and convince them where they have rebelled against God and disobeyed his word. He will never, ever send someone to hell merely because of what their father did or their grandfather did or their great grandfather. The sins of the parent will not be uh, felt upon the teeth of the children that way. That would make God unjust. So understand that while we have inherited Adam's sin nature, we won't go to hell for our sin nature. We'll go to hell for our sin practices. Woo! Oh, my goodness. That's, I, I have to shout about that. You got it? Oh, I, I, I'm meditating on it. Okay, good. No, I, and I'd love okay. to talk to you more about that down the line. That's a great subject that people don't like as well, but you got it. And so, yeah, we don't want to uh, incriminate and condemn the children for something that their parents had intended, scheme, purpose, and design, although their children are coming along with them and will have to suffer the outward and external uh, consequences and trauma of that event. We are not accusing that child of that criminal act. Because even our own uh, our own adjudicator deals with you in terms of intent, motives, and actions, and it would delineate between the children and the parents, and that's called justice. Thank you for the call. I've got to take a break. When I come back, I'll close with James from the Bay on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Be very sure. Be very sure that a man going to hell, a woman going to hell will go to hell because they will have been proven to have volitionally and intentionally rebelled against God's law. No one will go to hell because of somebody else's sin except Jesus. And this is why we love him. He he came under God's hell for our sin. Oh, what a savior. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistan. And we are back. The time is 6.50 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's see if we can wind this um, very uh, energetic and quick-moving program for today. I did enjoy it. Let's go to line number three and talk about James in the Bay. James, are you there? Hey, Pastor Jesse, how you doing? I'm great, man. What's going on with you? No Long time no see. Yeah, it's been a minute. I'm happy to catch you one of these weekends. Uh, sure, sure. You still there on Friday, sir? Oh, yeah, man. We we still at, at it. God's, God's still allowing us to feed people both Friday and Saturday. So come on down whenever you want to. So how you how you want to chime in, man? What you thinking about? Well, well it's very, I mean, I've always understood, I mean, the media is no more the media. Right. I'm just really, I mean, I'm just pretty much just done with, can they just report what's happening instead of being being biased one side or the other. Just, I just want to know what's going on. Obviously, that's not going to happen. And I just thought it was interesting because you were, you were talking about immigration. It right. just sounds interesting how the the media is using this situation of immigration. Right. Now, I, I thought it interesting. Now, I don't know, uh, you know, I'm not politically savvy, but whatever was, Trump was negotiating with the Korean leader or what have you, and Obviously, whatever he's doing, I don't know what he, whether he's, I mean, he's obviously the president, whether he's doing it from a, a business perspective or what have you. And that could be propaganda on that side as well. I'm not, you know, giving him a, a pass. Know, right. I'm going to give him a pass for what's going on. But, right. but, it, but it is what it is. But I just thought it was interesting that at the end of the day, when, okay, he went over there, whatever sort of agreement, uh, that they came up with, I thought it very interesting that the media decided to pull out the immigration card. And 
what was going on because this just didn't happen overnight. This has been going on for some time uh, as far as what, what I understand, as far as the children being separated from their parents coming across. I mean, help me whether I'm right or wrong. This no, just, you're right. You're this right. This wasn't developed. So now all of a sudden we, they want to pull this card, the, the, the left want to pull this card and start to inundate flood the uh, flood the airways of what's going on and obviously an anti-Trump uh, anti-Trump move because when it seemed like he might have been trying to accomplish something halfway decent they don't give it the benefit of the doubt they pull up something that okay if you were interested in this issue why are you just now talking about it on the news now right because- I just thought it was just very at the time it was very very interesting very very suspicious if you ask me no, I, I think you're I think you're acutely right on uh, the fact that what uh, the media does is to opportunistically employ a political framework for uh, social issues because we uh, America is toxically political, toxically political. And unfortunately, a good segment of the church is, too, uh, which is uh, it, it really is sad and, and also just uh, depressing, to be honest with you. I. As I stated uh, before you called our, uh, in my last segment that um, we are not ready for real historic conversation in America around uh, how America has behaved and conducted itself around the world. We're not ready for it. And so one of the distracting factors that perpetuates itself, uh, Brother James, is politics. The moment that you frame moral, ethical subjects or topics or issues in a political context Immediately, you're dealing with Dan had talked about the dialectical process, uh, one group opposing another group, never mind the real issues underlying the group. What I appreciated about almost all the callers tonight is that they chimed in on the moral ethical element behind it, which we want to, as the Christian church, do. I, I do not... Um, I do not shy away from talking about the political issues, as you know, but here's what I would state. Uh, irregardless of the fact that the media would uh, propagandize and uh, and um, uh, you know skew the news in order to, to 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 curry favor for the left or the right, the way they deal with it, and regardless of the fact that um, this kind of separation of children, the children has been going on for a long time, as has been stated by previous callers as well. When you and I are confronted with that moral and ethical dilemma or breach thereof, we still have to put on a Christian prism to deal with that first and foremost, because that would be the area in which we would want to invest and give an affirmative word as to what's right and wrong. Okay, the platform is dirty, but the the subject on the platform or the topic on the platform is worthy of discussion. And so we're not going to say, hey, 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 don't be, you know, don't either, don't be dogging Trump or don't be, you know, skewing it this way or that way. Uh, otherwise, we can't we can't have the conversation at all. No, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We want to certainly say, listen, we already see your slant. We see your bent. We see your motive and objective. We uh, we we reject it at the premise, uh, but we will address the problem that's at hand, uh, notwithstanding. And so we do want to address what goes on in terms of how we as the American people uh, deal with people in those kind of predicaments. So let me let me let me 
turn it into another uh, into another angle for you and for me. The reason why I would want to be uh, a relatively sympathetic, significantly sympathetic about the conditions of this kind of policy is because it still reflects the kind of unkind behavior often that has taken place uh, in the African-American community on more local levels whenever police uh, groups have been given the power to simply come into African-American communities and just begin to deal with people harshly, unkindly, and uh, disrespectful of the consequences emotionally and traumatically by the way they handle different. Difficulties. And we are learning even now, and I'm sure you agree with this, James. Our police departments are learning this. Our law enforcement departments are learning this. Even our politicians are, are learning um, that what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And you really do have to actually have policies that are far more humanitarian if you want the outcome to be optimistic and positive. And so we have to make sure that when we impose law, righteous law that is always mixed with a grace that reflects the character of Christ uh, in a humanitarian way, even if the people that are caught are wrong. That's just the way Christ did it when he came as he represented the Father. He didn't at any time in any way deal with sinners in such a way as to disregard their humanity. And you know that. Absolutely. And so we and so that's how we as believers want to make sure that we stay out of the toxic rhetoric of politics that is depicted biblically as beasts, because we're not beasts. We are sheep. We are uh, not the predator. We are those who are lambs and humble and dependent upon God and wanting to manifest that humility that respects a need for God to enter into the plight of humanity and fix it through the model of Jesus Christ and him Christ crucified. And I'm sure you agree with me because you love Christ like I do. I've got to call it a day. It was good talking with you. Until next time, keep your eyes on Christ. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.